When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boule. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boule. As always, the Nazem Kadri waits continues. We are now four days into free agency at this point. Maybe this is day five. I lost count. I'm not good at counting, but <laughs> there are some big names still left on the board. Biggest of which Nazem Kadri still has not signed and really not really so much as a rumor, which is yep. quite odd. There's a couple rumored teams. The abs seem to be front runners by default, maybe at this point, but a lot of teams have made their moves and the choices are getting thinner. Doesn't seem like we're any closer than we were a couple of days ago. No, we absolutely aren't any closer. I mean, the closest thing we have to it was the Elliot Friedman report. Was it Saturday? I sent that to you. I can't remember which day I'd sent it to you, but uh, that he's down to the Avs, the Islanders and the Winnipeg Jets, which is and... a very weird list considering where we were a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Uh, 
two of those three I would have not predicted at all. But apparently that's the final three. Um, I just it's it's the waiting saga, and it seems like this is the last domino to fall for the rest of the abs offseason plans. It really does because it kind of seems like they've done everything else and they might have a couple things left to do after this, depending on what they do, which is what this episode's really going to focus on. But I'm going to be honest, I did not really see this coming with the Kadri saga in the offseason. I thought maybe this would go into the second day before he went to like the Rangers or something like that, or Ottawa. I would have said that a couple of weeks ago. I don't think this really went the way Kadri was expecting either. I think he was expecting a lot of teams to to pitch him their deals and to sell him on their teams and everything. And I think some of them did, but I also think a lot of teams reached out and made an offer. And once they realized Kadri wasn't going to make up his mind, I think they just went in other directions. The Rangers, they went out and got Trocek very early. I thought the Capitals were a stealth team. They went out and signed Dylan Strom a couple of days ago. There have just been teams that have been like, okay, well, we're just going to go do something else then. And it's been kind of a weird saga so far. Yeah, I mean, it's really – he wants to play for a contender. Um, That's really I all we know is he wants yeah. to play for a contender. Yeah, I, I don't really consider the Islanders or Jets contenders like the Avs, but it's it's getting to the point now where – I just kind of want it to be over with. I just want to know where he's going and if he's coming back uh, just so we can go forward with our plans for the off season. And if we need to find a second line center, we can go find a second line center because as we'll talk about later, the market is dwindling very quickly. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not even really all Kadri's fault either. I feel like a lot of these dominoes fell quickly and now we're kind of at a point where teams need to clear cap space in order to give him the money he wants but other teams know we need to clear cap space. So we're not trying to put on, then this is about the abs and other teams like the Islanders. They have a lot of RFAs assigned. The jets have some stuff to do. And I, I can't, I don't believe those are the only three teams in on him right now. There's gotta be some other teams in there that we're just not hearing about. I believe they've got some stuff to do as well. So there's just a bunch of teams that have moves to do in order to get this done. And Kadri's waiting for them to make those moves in order to get it done. But they're also waiting for Kadri to make his decision in order to get those done. And other teams are waiting on those decisions to see if they can pry a player out of there to get those things done. But those teams don't want to handicap themselves by just sending a guy for a six-round pick or like Vegas did with Pacioretty for absolutely nothing at all, which we'll talk about later. So it just seems like there's one giant roadblock before really anything can happen here because it's going to happen eventually, but this is day four and there's no answers whatsoever. It doesn't really seem like any teams come close. The only time I really heard of a team like this team is actively pitching Nazem Kadri is Calgary. And that was a couple days ago. And it kind of seems like he turned them down. Which I would too. I wouldn't want yeah. to go to Calgary. After I wouldn't. Going on. After the Gaudreau thing, which happened after we recorded our last episode, only a couple hours later, he goes to Columbus. I wouldn't be buying the vision they're selling either. And th- there was a rumor out there of nine point five for seven years. I don't believe that for a second. But that's the I think only... he would have signed it if that if that was the case. I th- I think if a team in Europe offers you that kind of contract, you sign it. Just because yeah. that is an insane amount of money. That's $300,000 less per year than what Johnny Gaudreau just got for yeah. an over 100-point season. 
Yeah, I don't so believe they, that. I don't believe that for a second. No. But I believe it was a pretty high offer. Just if that's the rumor, because that's the only thing we've heard. Yeah, that's it. Like this is usually you hear something. Like even before Gaudreau went to Columbus, you heard stuff from other teams. New Jersey's pitching him. Philly's where he's from. He wants to go home. Calgary pitched him this. Even with other free agents, even with John Klingberg. We heard that he was in, back in talks with Dallas and those broke apart. So now he's not going back to the stars and Carolina was in on him before they went after Brent Burns. Even with the other top guys, we've gotten something with Kadri. It's been absolutely nothing at all. Yeah. It's been very weird. Um, I just, I, I just really, I really don't want to see the abs do a bunch of stupid things to keep Nazem Kadri just because of like, make it a strictly emotional decision. You know what I mean? Like this compared to what the abs have done in the past five years, this would probably be the ultimate like emotional contract to give out. Like I, I just, you're talking about a player who had a career year this year in a contract year. He's the other side of 30 can you expect him to get back to where he was last year? Or are we going to go back to the Nazem Kadri of maybe 60 points is his watermark? Like, it, are you willing to pay someone $7.5, $8 million for 60 points? I, I just don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah. And I guess that we can really lean that into the main points of this episode. And if the abs are to sign Nazem Kadri, because it seems like right now they are the front runners. Yes. Just, just by default, that's his team. That's where he was from. The biggest contender, which seems to be the biggest criteria for him, and can give him a decent amount of money if they do a couple of things. So that's really what we're going to focus on for the next little bit here is how do we make this work if that really is the roadblock here for both sides is both sides want them to come back. But right now there's not enough room and there's not a lot of guys that you can trade. There aren't a lot of guys you can trade, but there are a couple um, that seem to make sense and seem to have movable contracts. I personally am a favorite of the first option, which is trading JT Comfer. Um, that would clear up about 3.5 million and put us right around 7.5, I believe, in cap space. I believe so. If I can very quickly run that, yeah, I believe that's about over seven million dollars. But it, yeah, let's just say for sake of conversation, you sign Kadri to seven million dollars. It doesn't give you a lot else to work with. No, you're you're literally at the cap maximum if you get him. So. I just, I really, I really don't know if that's the right move to trade JT Comfer. That does clear up about 3.5 million. Uh, gives you about 7.5 million to use for Nazem Kadri. But if you sign Kadri that you're at your cap maximum, you are not going to get any more flexibility and there's no more pieces that you can add uh, to the team. So is that the smart decision? I Again, I just I, I I think if something was going to happen with Nazem Kadri and the ads moving pieces, I think it would have happened by now, or we would have at least heard rumors about it. We've heard zilch nada about it. The only right. speculation that it's coming from is people like us who talk about this on shows. Right, we're just trying to figure out what's going on. 
And there's been absolutely no good answers whatsoever. And trading Comfer gives you about 7.4 in cap space. Cap friendly is weird sometimes because they have like Lucas Sedlick and Andreas Englund on our on our cap sometimes, which I don't really know why they're there. But if you move those guys off, it does actually give you a little more flexibility. You can sign Kadri to 7 million and maybe sign another maybe league men guy has a comp for replacement on the wings, but it just kind of seems like a cap headache to have to, to deal with this. Doesn't it? Yeah. hundred percent seems like a cap headache. And we've seen teams championship teams. They'll sign guys on the North side of 30 to these big contracts, i.e. the Blackhawks when they signed Brent Seabrook, that contract got bad. What? Like a year and a half in. I think it just was immediately bad. Yeah. Like he, he fell off the face of a cliff. I mean, Duncan Keith was okay, but near the end, he shouldn't have been making as much as he was making. And they ended up getting rid of him. Thanks to Ken Holland. Um, But like even guys like Jonathan Taves, he's not even close to the same player he used to be. So it's definitely a risky move to bring back everyone. We knew going into this off season, we weren't going to bring back everyone. Um, I just, I would love to have Nazem Kadri back, but it just seems like such a cap headache. And especially with McKinnon's new deal coming into effect next year, you're, yeah. you're going to really hamstring yourself to, to a lot of stuff. I'd rather have the cap flexibility and trust Chris McFarland and Joe Sackick to make a trade deadline acquisition like they did this year. Yeah. I mean, that's something you really have to keep an eye on. It's like, it's easy to look at this year by year. And, or I guess just for this year, be like, yeah, bring back Nazem Kadri. You can make the money work if you move this guy. Let's say it's seven million for Kadri. I, I just like using that as just the default. And you give McKinnon twelve million next year. We're talking McKinnon makes six point six right now. You're basically doubling his contract. You're giving him an extra five point four million dollars and Kadri uh, seven million dollars. That that's going to add up pretty quickly. And the thing is, if Kadri was twenty five or 26 and just hitting the market for the first time. We're not having this conversation. He's already signed. Yep. 31 is a tough age to be handing out big term and big money to, especially for a guy where this, let's face it. These numbers are an anomaly to the rest of his career. Correct. Is he going to have this same success next season? And if he doesn't, and let's say hits 65 points, is that worth the seven million he's going to get? I I'd argue it's close, but there's going to be a decline in there as well. But if you're just moving Comfort out and bringing that in to maximize your cup window now, and it works, and you get Kadri between sixty and seventy points around that. I, I can be on board with that. Sure. You, maybe you shouldn't be too worried about a contract four to five years in the future. You can always find a way to move that out if it becomes this complete albatross. Yeah. Especially, like I said, if Comfer's the move, he expires after this season anyway. And probably you, not going to come back. Probably not when you consider the the cap crunch that's going to be next offseason once McKinnon's extension we can discuss later what that looks like once that extension kicks in it's gonna be basically impossible to be running the team the same way we have for the last couple of years having your superstar center on a 6.6 million dollar contract 
that's going to be pretty hard to do. And keeping guys like Comfer is just not something you can afford to do at that point. Trading him is not the end of the world. But the interesting thing is we haven't seen Comfer's name thrown out there on in the Avalanche fan base about trades in order to keep Nazem Kadri on board. The guy we've seen thrown around is Sam Gerrard. And I, I, I really don't get it especially in the context of trading Gerard as a cap dump in order to get Nazem Kadri. I'm willing to entertain Gerard conversations if you are getting a significant piece in return. Really, a Gerard trade makes sense if Kadri doesn't come back and you are acquiring that bona fide second line center in return. Trading him to keep Kadri and trading that contract of $5 million for the next six years, I believe it is. If I can very quickly. Yeah, it expires one, two, three, four, five, 2027. So yeah, $5 million for five more years in order to sign a guy on the wrong side of 30 for $7 million for six to seven years. That's just bad cap management. It's really bad. Um, I agree with you. Like I, you do not trade Samuel Gerard for a cap dump. Um, people are always going to pick on him. We've been talking about it all year. Like just cause he's small and they think he gets dominated in the defensive zone. And it, and this, we, we won when he got hurt. So people yeah. look at that as like, Oh, you don't need him. Yeah. Like uh, totally different circumstances. Those six games he was in, in the playoffs or was it seven? Well, six and a half. Cause he got hurt in the first period of game three. So he was fantastic with Josh hey, the Manson. first minute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, him, him and Josh Manson were fantastic. Yeah. I, I don't think people understand that the abs won in spite of Sam Gerard being injured. Yeah. Not be, I think they're misinterpreting it as because Gerard got injured, they found a way to win. I don't think that's the case when Jack Johnson was playing six minutes a game. Yeah. The abs they played won, the, five they won the Stanley cup with five defensemen. Yeah. That's so, hard to do. Very hard, and it helps when you have Kale McCarr and Devon Taves playing 30 minutes each. Um, so you need a guy like Sam Gerard who's going to play 21 to 22 minutes a game minimum. It, it, it's what we've talked about all the time. He's a minute eater. He takes yeah. those hard minutes off of Kale McCarr and Devon Taves and comes in there, is great at controlling the puck, great at moving the puck. Yeah, you know what? He's a little undersized. He's 5'10". And I really don't think it – it's not the best thing in the world, but it's not like he's 5'8". If he's two, no, and him and Manson, him and Manson work really well together because you got right. Manson, who's the big behemoth. Right, and if Gerard's two inches taller, we're like we're not having this conversation. Yeah, we're not having this conversation. So, yeah, I agree with you. You you don't trade Sam Gerard for a cap dump. That's just bad cap do. management. It's stupid asset management, um, and I don't think it's going to happen because once again, I think we would have heard rumors about right. it. Right, at least Sam Sam Gerard is a significant piece that would be on the market now. And to be fair. We didn't hear anything about Max Pacioretty. That one, that one just well, came out. Well, of- we've heard about Max Pacioretty no, in the past. You're right. We have heard about that since the season ended, that that was a rumored to be a thing that Vegas was trying to create cap space. So you're actually completely right on that. Yeah. But the trade kind of just happened out of nowhere. But you are right. With Gerard, the only thing we ever heard was this unfounded rumor at the trade deadline, which was completely shot down, that the Avs were never shopping Sam Gerard whatsoever. Outside of that, it's been nothing. And the Avalanche have always been great at protecting information in the office and not letting things get out. Other offices, it's not the same. Like if Sam Gerard was available 
The Ottawa Senators would be all over that, just as an example. They would be a team that would love to have Sam Girard on their team. That would get out that the Avs have made Sam Girard available. Information goes beyond just the Avalanche's office. They can protect it all they want. But if the Senators try to leak that out there to try to lower the price, it would be out there. So I think you're right. We've heard nothing. And 31 other NHL teams would take Sam Girard in a heartbeat. Like, right. He's, he's a solid top four defenseman. And, and I, I've, I've seen people talking like, well, you're paying a lot of money for a third pair defenseman, a guy that's going to be on your third pair. That's not the same situation as being on the third pair, let's just say my other team in Washington, where their third pair stinks. And also, Gerard's not a third pair defenseman. You have two second pairs between him and Byram. You can put whoever you want on the second pair. Whoever's but, playing better that night. Right. Or even <laughs> then, I just think Byram and EJ could be the second pair one night, or Gerard Manson could be the second pair another night. I think they're going to play as long as they're healthy. They're going to play similar minutes all season long. You you just have two second pairs. The best part about people saying that that's a lot to pay for a third pair defenseman, we can all agree Josh Manson is more than likely going to be in the same role. He's making, what, 4.5? Right, like four and a half. It, it, it's it, $500,000 no less. Everyone said that was a great deal when he right. signed. And if, if, if EJ is on the third pair, that's $6 million for a third pair defenseman. I just think it's, I just think it's kind of a silly comparison when you consider just how stacked the defense is from top to bottom, your top pair is McCarr and Taze. Everyone else is a second pair defenseman. Because yeah. okay, you trade Gerard. What do you do then? You you resign Jack Johnson and you're doing what you did in the playoffs, which is play five defensemen. And, and that's you, not going to be good for Kale McCarr or Devon Taves. Right. Or are you playing Curtis, are you playing Curtis McDermott in that role? Are you playing I would Jake, love that? Are you playing Jacob McDonald in that role? He playing Curtis Brad, or, no one, man. Yeah, or Brad Hunt <laughs> in that role because the, the I've signed Brad Hunt to a two-way deal. I saw for some reason people thought that meant Gerard trade was imminent. Yeah, but I mean, I, it, I digress. You got to add those, yeah, those pieces because the Avs uh, Eagles team got fucking raided by the Nashville Predators. Like every single player from the Eagles last year is on a different team. It's crazy. Um, so you have to get back that organizational depth and. It, that's I think Brad Hunt's a good organizational signing. If he plays 10 games, you're good. And there's also a chance Brad Hunt plays zero games this yeah. season with the Avs. Ideally, he doesn't. Ideally, he doesn't play a single game. It's very likely. But if we are going to change, because we are going to kind of sound like hypocrites about this, but if we were to move Samuel Girard, right, the only pieces that you would move him for are a second-line center, and that's if Nazem Kadri leaves. It's right. a totally different story if you trade a Samuel Gerrard for a Pierre-Luc Dubois. Right. That, like, that's something we've been throwing around for the last couple of days is if the Jets make Pierre-Luc Dubois available, like let's say the Islanders sign Nazem Kadri and we want a second-line center, trading Dubois for Gerrard makes a lot of sense. There, there's natural fits there for both teams. We need a second-line center. They need a guy in Sam Gerrard who can eat minutes, and he would immediately become the top defenseman on that team. 100%. And 100%. there is a fit there with that. Is it one for one? Which side has to add more? Semantics doesn't really matter. But that's I'm willing to entertain that as trading, trading from your strengths to improve your weaknesses. Now, there's philosophies that say maybe that's not the best. You triple down on your strengths, and you figure out the rest from there. 
I'm on board with that too. But if you, if the organization believes second line center is that important, yeah, you know, maybe there's some merit to that because you have Bo Byram to step in there and eat up those minutes like he did in the playoffs. And you have Sean Barron's coming up in the system in a couple of years. And we'll just have these same conversations again once he's up here because he's 5'10 and small and a puck mover. So this will never end and we will live in eternal torment for our entire lives because Probably. people hate small defensemen. But still, that I'm willing to entertain. Trading him to Ottawa for like a third round or second round pick? No. No. Absolutely not. That's bad cap management. And you're not, you're, you're closing your window by doing that, or at least tightening it. Cause if Kadri, if Kadri blows up in your face and he's a 50 point player next season, or even 60, I'd say that's, nah, that's okay. That's not $7 million worth. I'd say you're maybe five or $6 million. And then he slowly keeps going down. You just really hurt your chances at winning championships. Yep. I agree. Um, people will realize if Sam Gerrard is on the team next year, just how important he is to this team. You got to remember when he played in the regular season, who knows how long he was doing with that back injury. Cause he was not himself the majority of the season. He was hurt he was- for a lot of the season. And a lot of people make the case that Gerrard hasn't improved a ton over the years. And I mean, there's a little bit of merit to that, I suppose. But when you look at the the deal that he's on right now and just how much that's worth. And also considering, like you just said, he was hurt probably most of last season. He had a pretty significant back injury that he needed a significant recovery time from. I also feel like we all forgot in the, the, the shortened season, I guess two seasons ago, even though it feels like it was last year, but Kale McCarr missed a couple games and was out for not not insignificant amount of time. There was a point in time where Sam Gerrard was in the Norris conversation. hundred percent. I remember that it was like Devon Daves and Sam Gerrard. Should yeah, be but it was Sam Gerrard dominating that conversation. It was like, wow, they got Devon Taves. What a great pickup. But Sam Gerrard, if this goes on, is he going to be a finalist? And he really could have been, but then he got COVID and that's kind of where his season kind of got derailed. But you got to look into the fact too, with Sam Gerrard, he, is a very durable player. This is really the first year that he's been hurt. And I would make the case that when he came back in the playoffs, he was back to the Sam Gerrard of that shortened season. The he first, was fantastic. The first two games against St. Louis before he did get hurt were brilliant. Those, yeah, I'd say those cool. were the two best games of his career. Yeah, he was fantastic. So I, we're both on the same page. You don't move Sam Gerrard unless it's for a second line center when Kadri walks. You do I just, not. I think we're having this conversation a year too early. If yeah. we're if we're in the same spot next year, and it seems like Gerrard's just kind of stagnated a little bit, and you have a gap at second line center or something, then yeah, I'm way more willing to entertain that conversation for a 25 year old who's maybe starting to hit his peak, like 25. That's really when you start, you stop talking about him as a young player. I think it's a year too early to be having these conversations. Like that's why I just said same spot next year. Yeah. You know, maybe we should maybe explore Explore. or something like that. Right. And I think that's why people are, I think that's why people are talking about too, because his value is probably at a peak right now. Right. Like it's probably it at a peak though? right now. Is it though? Cause we, we won the cup and obviously he didn't play. If we won and he did play, I feel like his value would be higher. And 
Because I also feel like people are, are looking at this trying to see if the Avs are going to make that mistake and try to lowball them and maybe see if they can pry Gerard out there for a pick or maybe a pick and a prospect and try to steal him for nothing. I just don't think the Avs will do that. They're just. Uh, well, that's, I, I agree, but I think other teams are seeing if there's something to this right now yes. to see if they can lowball them. See about it, but I, I think the earliest we have this conversation is the trade deadline next year. I, I really think that's the earliest we have this conversation about potentially moving Sam Gerard. Even, even um, then, in season, I don't think trading Gerard makes sense. I think it's no. an off-season thing. Yeah, so well, that's what I'm saying. The earliest is that, but I, I really hate that we have to have this conversation because Gerard just gets picked on because he's small. Um, it, like you said, if he was two inches taller, we're we're in a perfect spot defensively. Like if he's Josh Manson's size, it's like, what a great player Sam Gerard is like, find me another defenseman like that. Um, I, I mean, the only other player I would consider trading him for is JT Miller. That, that's about it. Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and JT Miller. Even then Miller has got one year left and you can't guarantee that he's going to be right. back after next season. So even then that's a tough sell. That's a tough and sell, but Dubois is an RFA. I'm not saying I'm this, I'm not turning this into a Miller versus Dubois yeah. argument. I'm just saying, if you trade him for Dubois, he's an RFA. Who knows what he's going to get, but he's under team control still for a little bit. Uh, JT Miller would be a great fit on the Avs. Can that extension work with the McKinnon oh, contract? Zero chance because, because he's scoring 100 points. Because if you can't pay Kadri, if you can't pay Kadri now, you're not going to be able to pay JT Miller later. Is there a fit there long term? Probably not. Yeah. No. So I just, it, it's, it's a, Awful debate we have to have. I, I've and, told you before, this was our sacrifice for winning a Stanley Cup yeah. is we have to endure the Sam Gerrard conversations until next season or if he's traded. We just have to find a way to keep battling. The worst part about it is he will eventually be moved and people will be like, oh, we told you it was going to happen. And it's like, yeah, I mean, but like, yeah, okay, three years later. Yeah, you, you got us. You got us three years later. I just don't think you move him right now. I just really right. don't, unless and it's for a guy the like organization Pierre-Luc. clearly values him. Yeah. Look, look how they used him when he was available and not injured. He eats those big minutes. If the organization yeah. did not trust Sam Gerard, we would know by now. Yeah. There's I mean, a, there's just a big disconnect. I feel like between the organization and some of the fan base, when it comes to Sam Gerard, that they try to put words in their mouth that they don't trust him. They clearly do. And they, it just drives me crazy, man. Cause I mean, if you look at it, his time on ice in uh, the playoffs was I'm looking up on hockey reference right now around 19 minutes. That's low for Sam Gerard. Right. And you also like, had the car eating up a ton of those minutes with Taze and everything. And at 19 minutes, you had one more minute on there. We're talking 20 minutes and we're talking about how great yeah. that is. Like hundred percent. We're talking about how great that is. It's just, it's maddening to me. I get very frustrated um, with it. Oh, I lied. He only played about 17, 1749 for this playoff. See, I'm going to pull up his game by game playoff miss. Cause in St. Louis, where are you seeing 17? The late, the, the least he played was 18 in game four against Nashville. It, it just says NHL playoffs on here. Is that 21. his career? No, it says for this year, for 21-22, it says has a Well, there was also a game where he played 56 seconds because he got hurt immediately. Oh, yeah, that's probably thrashing his Because 
if we go through the previous six and we started game one against Nashville, it's 20, 21, 21, 18, 23, 20. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's right where we, we said he was at. I got duped by stats. That's why I'm not a stats guy. Um, So he's right there. He's playing top or top four defensive minutes. Like they clearly value him when he's healthy. Right. And And if they didn't trust him, to, as a small, undersized defenseman, they wouldn't play him against Nashville. Yeah. The, which coming into the playoffs, everyone was hyping up. It was like, oh, the most physical team in the league with all these hits. Are the abs going to be able to handle that? They swept them. And yeah. they wouldn't be playing Gerard in those big minutes. They, they didn't in game four because he wasn't great in that game. But in the games leading up to it, he plays those big minutes. And he's amazing against St. Louis in the first two games. Yeah, he was fantastic. Him and Josh Manson were great together. So I, I think that's a natural pairing right there with those two. I, I think you, I agree with you. You can keep it, you can see it both ways where it's, you have a big strength in defensemen and you just keep that as your strength for the entire year. Um, or you trade one of your strengths to help one of your weaknesses, which is second line center. Right. I'm and also when, when you have a long-term plan at second line center, which is Alex Newhook, on your third line already and in the NHL for a full year already. I also just don't think it makes a ton of sense to subtract from that strength when you have that plan in place already, when I love Nazem Kadri and want him to come back. But if you sign Paul Stastny to a one to two year, $3 million deal. And when that deals up, you put new hook up at second line center and you see where you at, that goes from there because new hook has shown that he clearly has the ability to do that. He didn't show much in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he's shown that he has that ability that eventually once a couple of kinks in his game, get worked out. Second line center is not going to be a problem for him. Yeah. So giving, I think he just needs more ice time, right? Giving six, seven years to Kadri when this guy is right there and maybe a year or two, two at most away from being able to consistently handle a top six role cap wise does not make a lot of sense. It, it doesn't. So that's why I think like we had said coming into the free agency preview and we've been saying along, I don't think Nazan Kadri's back. I mean, we would love to have him back. He would I, be great, but the money he's going to command, it's just, it, it's not smart. It's not smart. I think right now is the highest chance we have had in the entire offseason to have Kadri back just because I think so many players are off the board at this point of potential suitors that we've talked about have made other moves. And now the list is kind of narrowing if he does want to be on a quote unquote contender. But this team has been very good at looking at their long term future and not getting caught up in their emotions. I would be over the moon if Nazem Kadri comes back without question at all. I would, I'd probably buy a Jersey if he came back. (laughs) But without significant sacrifices, not even just this season, next season, the season after that, to try to make this marriage work, it just doesn't seem like it's all there when you are able to have maybe some stopgap short-term solutions because new hook i really think changes the game if we didn't have new hook i believe this would already be done they have that long-term solution i think paul stastny could be a fit i just like throwing his name out there i've seen his name thrown out there every once in a while 36 give him a one-year deal 
or a two-year deal and you let new hook develop you platoon those guys and if and if it's such a problem this season you can address it before the trade deadline and find something out there because you still have your first to burn and still some other assets in your prospect pool and everything that you can trade it's not it's not like it's nazim kadri or nothing there's still things that you can do that can work but it's it's the downside of winning a cup because i i honestly think if we don't win the cup i i think nazim kadri is already signed with another team i i agree i agree it's, it's the downside of being a good team and winning the cup. Your players add more value and they get, you get more emotionally attached to them. Like we will always have that game four overtime goal by Nazem Kadri. That was one of the greatest moments in avalanche history. And you, you want to hold on to that, but you take that out and you look at the business side of it. And it's like, this really doesn't make much sense, man. Like it, it, it just doesn't like, maybe there's a miraculous way we signed like a three year, $24 million deal. I mean, I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility with how everything's going right now. I mean, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I just cannot imagine no. Darren Ferris, yes. his agent, even accepting that contract and putting it before Kadri as an option. As much as I would love that and have that be the perfect scenario where he signed a three, four-year deal at $7 million, probably, probably be more if it's on a shorter-term deal. It just makes sense for him to get a long six, seven year contract. Capitalize off this great year. You got to get, because if you sign a one year deal and you fall off, you just cost yourself in the tens of millions of dollars. We're talking that knocks 3 million a year off your AAV and you're taking a four year deal instead of a seven year deal. Like that is that is a laughable amount of money that you just gave up on. Very much so. I still think he's going to the Islanders somehow. If I, if I had a gun to my head and had to pick the team, I think he's going to the Islanders haven't done anything. So I guess I'm just thinking by default, they've got, they're going to try to do something with Nazem Kadri and Lou clearly has no problems with long-term contracts for older players. I mean, just look at the contracts <laughs> he's handed out in his career. Yep. Surely this one won't be a problem. But the longer this goes on, the more it makes me think he's just kind of waiting for the Avs to clear some space and see if this works out long-term, which I'm not at all opposed to if we yeah. can do it right. Yeah, you have to, you have to be um... – he's doing everything right. He's being patient, waiting for his options because he, he didn't get what he wanted at the beginning. And now all of those players are potentially out of contention for him. So I'm as much as I want this to be over with, I really don't think this is going to be over for like another like two to three weeks. I mean, that's just, I've, I, have we ever seen something like this where like a top five free agent has this just really drawn out free agency process? Cause I'm not I'm in blanking. the past 10 years, not in I'm past blanking years. on one. Because even like Tavares a couple of years ago, not to say Kadri's comparable to Tavares, but he's, he signed on the first day. Yeah. And you, you think like the big free agents the last couple of years, Gaudreau signed on the first day this year. You had Tavares a couple of years ago sign on the first day. I don't, even, I don't even remember who like the big free agents have been the last couple of years. Panarin signed on the first day. Who am, who am I? I know there's definitely more. I'm just blanking. There's more. We're just blanking. But that's the thing is it's like they're all signed the first day. This is the first time in a long time that a top five free agent is still waiting to be signed. It's also so, weird because the third 
best free agents also unsigned and John Klingberg, but it doesn't seem like anyone's super crazy about giving him a contract. It's, it's an interesting thing, man, but I, I, I'm prepared for this to be drawn out for a little bit longer. Um, I just, I I just, I mean, I imagine by this time next week, we'll have something. I hope so. Some team clear at, even if it's not, a direct answer. It's just some team clearing something for him and clearing up some space. Because you can be over the cap in the offseason, I think by 10%. So you could have a team sign him and then clear some room after that. So we we could feasibly sign him and then trade Comfer or something like that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know either, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a process. Um I'm excited for it to be over so we can kind of start previewing next year, but there's a lot of things that need to be worked out. You don't trade Samuel Gerard unless it's for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Right. Uh, not unless Kadri signs elsewhere and you are adamant at getting a upgrade at second line center than Alex Newhook. And you can only do that by trade and you don't want Paul Stastny. Yeah. So there's options out there. Um, I think we've talked to death the Nazem Kadri stuff. Um, I'm sure by when we do our next episode, we'll probably talk about it some more. Uh, but for this episode, that's enough Nazem Kadri talk. Um, unless you had anything else to add about Nazem Kadri. I mean, it's like you said, I think we really have beaten this one to death because we're really just talking about what ifs and possibilities. The fact of the matter is we know fucking nothing right now. There is, we've got zero facts and we're just guessing at this point. Cause he could sign tomorrow and everything about this could be completely outdated, which is also very likely to happen too. We have a track but, record of that happening. Well, yes, yeah. we we have a very good track record of that. What a week ago? Yep, we got so, everything wrong. <laughs> oh yeah, we got it. We got everything wrong with that one. I, I was I was I was really close with Brett Kulak. I think you were close. I didn't um, expect we were signing Manson again. Yeah, so I mean, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting way it plays out. But we kind of hinted towards this in the beginning of this episode and the other big storyline that we're still kind of waiting for is a Nathan McKinnon contract extension. Um, as we all know, he signed a probably one of the greatest deals for a superstar in history for a team's aspect, uh, 6.6 million. And he was taking up, what'd you say? Like 8% of the cap at the time. See, I was wrong earlier. It's 6.3, not 6.6. 6.3. Sorry. And he was taking up what eight percent of the cap when that contract. Yeah, when went he in. signed that contract, he signed it for eight point six three percent of the cap. I'm not going to do math, but now I assume it's like six million or six percent, six percent of the cap or something like that. Because you have Connor McDavid who takes up like twelve and a half. He got the maximum deal that he could. I think the maximum is twelve and a half. Or I might be. Wrong. I think so. I think yeah. you're right. So I don't think McKinnon will get to the twelve and a half percent. I expect 11. Imagine that's pretty close. I mean, let's, let's be real. Anything less than $11 million is absurdly team friendly. 11 million is team friendly. hundred percent. It's funny to say, but it is. Cause when you consider when McDavid signed his deal to where the cap is now, it's been stagnant for a little while, but McDavid signed his contract when 12 and a half was the maximum that he could get. He, he did not leave a penny on the table. And so now this, the 
the cap has increased. So the maximum has increased. So if McKinnon signed a 12 and a half, it's technically not the same situation as McDavid. So I still think he gets, if, if he's going to get every penny he's worth, it's probably a McDavid like contract of 12 and a half. But we both can agree that that's not what he's going to do. He's, we he's, don't know. That. We don't know that, but he's Sidney Crosby's like pupil and Sidney Crosby is notorious for winning more than anything else. And I think that's where McKinnon's at. I, I'm not saying he's going to take like 8 million. I, I think 11 million would be a team friendly deal. And if I think McKinnon took anything that. below double digits. There should be a parade in the streets, like a, yeah. like a separate <laughs> championship parade. It's not another, it's another thing. Like we talked about, we don't know. He really could do something like that. He really yeah, could. He could. I think him taking 11 million is team friendly. Yes. And agreed. he's absolutely going to prioritize winning because he we've seen him and heard all the stories told about him. He's a freak when it comes to winning. This man is competitive like no other. And he learned from one of the best to ever do it in Sidney Crosby. So I don't believe he's going to take the, I don't even know what the maximum is at 13, 14, 15 million or something like that. I don't believe it's going to be something like that. But I think we should be prepared for double the contract, maybe and 12, 12 and a half. I think that's fair. I think that's Cause, fair. Because we also have to that, consider it's not just him negotiating. It's also going to be his agent who's going to yeah, follow, who's also going to follow McKinnon's wishes. But they're not going to get jerked around twice. 6.3 for six years during the best years of his life as a hockey player. You might be owed a couple of those on the back end. Yeah, maybe give a little bit of sweetheart. And I'm fine paying him whatever he wants. I mean, it's Nathan. Oh, yeah. Like there really isn't a price too steep to pay for McKinnon. Because if you pay McKinnon $13 million, like, yeah, that's a lot of money. It gets harder to feel the team. But it's also easier to win with McKinnon than without him. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I fully expect that's going to happen, I assume, once the cadre situation gets figured out. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's very quickly after that they figure it out. God, it'd be so sick. Could you imagine if he did just take like a $10 million deal? Could you imagine? That'd be, that'd be absolutely ridiculous. Like we, we would have other teams just part. throwing fits being like, this is yeah. bullshit. This is Who's his agent. Is it Ferris? No, I don't. I don't actually know his agent off the top of my head. I'm sure I can find it. Yeah. But it's but not he, fair. He, so that, he should be allowed to kick his agent in the balls for the contract that he's currently on if he did not fire them already. Well, I mean, I when he signed it, he hadn't exploded yet. So that actually looked like a bad deal at the time. Was, I remember uh, when he signed it. Pat Brisson, I think. Oh, it's not terrible. Yeah. But, you know, what I mean, like it's, it's. Yeah. And Brisson has Tavares, Kane, Taze, Kopitar, Jones, Crosby, Duchesne. Like probably of course him and Crosby share an agent, man. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like he he's got some high profile clients, like Tavares, eleven million dollars in free agency, Kane, ten and a half, Taze, ten and a half, Kopitar at ten million, Seth Jones at nine and a half, Sidney Crosby at eight point seven. Like he's he's got some notable clients, including Eric Johnson, too. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. I mean, it'd be cool if he did maybe he's making enough advertising money with Tim Hortons and all that other shit that maybe that makes up for the difference, but um, I'm excited to see what happens with it. 
regardless, whatever we pay him is going to be the perfect amount. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to have an answer on this in like next week or anything like that. I think this is something that's like the dead of August kind of. Yeah. It's going to be like the middle of August. We'll get it. And we'll be so thankful for it. Cause we'll have, oh, yeah. we'll have something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause the thing with an extension like this is there's really no deadline for it other than like training camp. Yep. Once, once training camp starts, but Ken's just going to be like, okay, fuck this. I'm just going to focus on the season. We'll talk about this later. And there's, because we're also, no one's really scared he's going to leave. He's not going to leave. Especially just, after winning the cup, he's not right. We just won a Stanley Cup, and he's clearly priority number one. He's not going to walk. Even if this doesn't get done before training camp and this goes on to next offseason, there really is zero concern that Nathan yeah. McKinnon is going to walk away from this team in the middle of their Stanley Cup window when he has the, the opportunity to make $13 million. The funniest part is this is like the first year since this run that McKinnon wasn't the best player on the team. Like by Nathan McKinnon's standards, he kind of had a down year this year. He was still fantastic. He missed a lot of games, but by Nathan McKinnon's standards, you got to expect he's going to get back up to that hundred point range. Yeah. I imagine next season he's, he's going, he is going to eclipse a hundred points next season. I, I, if I can bet money on that, I would do it. He's absolutely going to do it. He's so it's so funny that we look at that like this was a great year for the abs and McKinnon kind of was like by McKinnon standards had a down year. So I mean, I mean it, it started pretty odd because he was hurt for most of the season to begin. He was out for the entire month of November and yeah, he, had had COVID. One, he had one goal up until that point. And it really yep. wasn't until January. And you made the bet at the time that he's going to finish with 30 goals. He finished with 32. And you, you had that one when he had like three goals in the beginning of the yeah. season. So, so I nailed that one, but like, he's going to be back to that 40 goal pace. I imagine like he's going to be back to the Nathan McKinnon. I'm sure he's pissed off with how the regular season went. And even in the playoffs, he was still fantastic, but it, you know, there's another gear in there for Nathan McKinnon. So. Right. And Kale McCarr won the con smite. Hey everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if you don't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Even though hockey's over, there is still plenty to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. You know, and McKinnon's a very, very, very competitive guy. And he, he'll never outright say this. But right now, we're talking about Kale McCarr as the second best player in the world and potentially the best player on the Avs. A couple of years ago, that was McKinnon in that spot. And you never know with someone as competitive as that, just what motivates them, you know, Stanley cup and everything, but he didn't win any of those other awards. Obviously Stanley cup's going to make him very happy, but never won the heart. 
even he's though he should have. He's he's insane. We've we've yeah. all heard it. Like this guy is one of the biggest competitive freaks in the league. As and that's a good thing. I'm not saying that yeah. in a bad way, but it, it's a real tough life with us having the best defenseman in the world and arguably one of the top five centers in the world. It's just it's hard being an abs ah, fan. Man, it's just, just so ah. sucks so much. So we have to argue about who's better, Nathan McKinnon. Who, or I mean, is it ah. more valuable to have a, a top five center in the world or the best defenseman in the world? And it's ah. It's tough life, man, man. It's just so bad. Now we've got all these the Stanley Cup to yeah. deal with, and it's just I'm so wearing all this championship gear. I know. Like, I've got my oh, I've got my Stanley Cup hat on. I've got the shirt in the other room, and I got to like order a banner and things. Like, yeah. oh, man, like I, man, this stuff's expensive. It sucks, man. It man maybe we should just be Nashville, where we're just in the mushy middle every year, and everything's a problem, and no one's actually good. We got, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's just oh, winning is such a hassle. Yeah, it sucks, man. You gotta, like, you just gotta have all these to debates, too. and everyone's all mad at you because you tweet out that the Abs are Stanley Cup champions every morning, and it started to reach other fan bases. So now they're getting mad at you, and it's really funny. Oh, it's, but, it's the best, man. I don't know. Like, like we're totally getting off topic, which surprisingly for us, shockingly, it, it did not take. It really took a long time. This episode, it took a long time. Usually, it's you can in tell I'm refreshed from. You can tell I'm refreshed from vacation. Yeah, it's, uh, it's usually in the opening segment. We're off topic, but I there was a tweet today and I forgot to send it to you because I was just laughing so hard about it. There are still New York Rangers fans who say that Adam Fox is better than Kale McCarr. And it's you're, just the like most you're, hilarious. You're thing. nuts. You're nuts. It's he wasn't the even the most a hilarious thing. Here. Kale McCarr won the Norris, won the Stanley Cup, and the Con Smythe this season. Yeah. And Fox only won his Norris because McCarr was hurt. There's not even exactly. a debate. There's literally not even a debate to be had. It's so funny. And I, I feel bad because I, I actually like Adam Fox as a player. He's been on I my I think he's amazing. Team. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I would absolutely entertain him as one of the best defensemen in the world. He, he's allowed to be good and not better than Kale McCarr. Yeah. People <laughs> act so like he's great, but if you don't say he's better than Kale McCarr, you think he sucks. Guys, Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the NHL and one of the best we've seen since Nick Lidstrom. And he's it's going okay to go down as the greatest defenseman of this generation. Right. It's okay to not be better than that. It oh, is. No, by the way, right. he's 23. <laughs> like, right. He's, he's done all this at the age of 23. So I, that, that made me chuckle. I forgot to send it to you. I'll, I'll find it and send it to you. It, it really it's also fun. Rangers fans. The, this yeah. season has emboldened them a lot. And I, I, oh, enjoy, yeah, I enjoyed their offseason where they're reminded that their GM is not the third best in the league. Yeah. So – that was pretty funny, but yeah, I mean, just put a book on the McKinnon thing. That contract's going to come. Um, like we said, it's a real tough life having to cheer for two top five players in the world. Um, and I can't wait for that contract to get announced. Um, it will be good to go, but there was some other free agency news that didn't involve the abs. That is that happened on the same day we recorded our last episode, but just but right after we hit unrecord. Yeah. Or right. stop. And the, the one I saw literally when we left the meeting, because we can talk about this for 30 seconds, but uh, Nico Sturm signed with the San Jose Sharks, a three-year deal at $2 million. I really thought we could get Sturm at league, man. <laughs> so did I. Really not. So good for Nico Sturm. Get your money. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Great for Nico Sturm. He drank it. He chugged a beer right in front of us at the parade. I'll always have that memory of Nico Sturm putting on a show for us. But uh, that's a rich contract, and God bless you, Nico, because, wow. Good luck, soldier. Luck. Never scored a goal as an Av, but came, he was close. Came close. He almost, he had, had, he almost had the one. Yeah, he almost had the one, but good for Nico Sturm. Um, yeah, that's way too much money for the Avs to sign him, so I'm cool yeah. with that. 
So I, don't, um, I, don't, I don't know if the Sharks are seeing something that we're not, but I, I wish him all the best because now he's going to be $6 million richer and he deserves it. Good for him, man. Um, don't let Devin listen to this episode. Yeah, no, no, no. We're good. She, she, when I texted her so that he, he left, she, she literally sent me just fuck yeah. So she's happy. Um, it's funny that he got paid more than Tyson Jost in the offseason, too. Wow. Like, uh, yeah, pretty funny. Um, still love you, Tyson. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the other big news, the biggest free agent on the market, Johnny Goudreau, signs a nine-year deal with – Seven-year deal. Seven-year deal, excuse me. Yeah. I don't know where I got nine. Seven-year deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets? Huh? Um, yeah, that is the strangest move I've ever seen a player make. Just yeah. just outright one of the weirdest moves I've ever Hell seen. Hell yeah, for Columbus, man. Good for them. Dude, that is a massive victory for Columbus yeah. after their entire existence of never being able to attract anybody of significance. They get the biggest free agent on the market at a friendly deal. Yeah. It's true what he got they, offered in Calgary. He left millions on the table. And that, and, that, and that was real. Ten and a half for seven, for eight years, I believe it was. And he got offered more in New Jersey, too. I believe yeah. that one was around ten and a half as well for seven years. He left money on the table to join the Columbus Blue Jackets. And you can you can go back to last episode where I'm saying, oh, he's a devil. He's going to the devil. Absolutely. Yeah. That just makes sense. And it still makes sense, but that's not what he did. And he's going to Columbus, and really the only reason he ever gave is, yeah, he just thinks it's neat here. He it he, wasn't it wasn't Calgary. That's that that seemed right. to be the biggest reason. He wanted to go to Philadelphia, but apparently Philadelphia didn't make an offer to him, which is classic Philadelphia, just being which fucking is Chuck like Fletcher. Well, they'll they'll give four years to Nick Delorier though. Yeah, like so they're, they're not they're not going to rebuild, but they're also not going to sign Johnny Gaudreau, who literally wants to come here. Yeah. You know, because that just makes too much sense. And that and Chuck Fletcher, he's not very good at common sense. He's a fucking idiot. Um, Worst general manager in the sport, and it's not close. I'm sure I could come up with some, but I'm not going to go into Ken Holland, that. he's made some decent moves. Some of them, <laughs> yeah, are, and he's had previous success. Pierre Dorian's knocking it out of the park these last couple of weeks. He's having a hell of an offseason, he's, he's killing it right now. You can't call yeah. him the worst GM right now. It's Chuck Fletcher, and I oh, don't yeah. think it's close. Yeah, he's bad. Maybe maybe Vegas is GM. Well, we'll get into that for entirely different reasons. They're terrible. But Gaudreau yeah. so, did not see this coming at all. I the, Columbus was like, oh, they're a sneaky team in here. But everyone's like, yeah, Columbus is always in on it. They were in on Petrangelo. They were in on Marner. They were in on Tavares. They were in on all these guys and never got them. Because who the fuck would want to live in Ohio for seven years? And like, yeah, of course I he's going to. Yeah. Like, of course, he's going to New Jersey where he can play with Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer on their wing for seven years and could feasibly be a piece that pushes them over the top into being a certified playoff team. No, I, he would rather play with Jack Roslovic right now, I suppose. So, Well, I mean, him and Patrick Laine could be a deadly duo. If they sign him, Patrick Laine. Yes, Lyon, that's that true. Because he is an RFA right now. And now that they've signed Johnny, they don't have a ton of room. And it's That's not true. like it's not like Columbus has no hope and did not have any hope. They've had a good couple of years building futures. They just got Cole Sillinger, who's playing full time. Is it Kent? Who's the guy they drafted third overall last year? Because I'm blank. Is it Kent, Kent Johnson? Johnson? Kent Johnson. Yep. And they got uh, Adam Boquist from the Blackhawks. They, the they've Seth got a Johnson. good little team going there. Yeah, they've, they've got a good little future. They just drafted David Juracek, six overall. Great young defenseman, probably the best defenseman in the draft. 
and they got uh, Denton Matichuk, another defenseman. It's not like they don't have any hope, and now that they have Gaudreau, clearly there's something there. Right now they have $2 million in cap space to sign Emil Benstrom and, uh, oh yeah, Patrick Laine. So they're, they're going to have to move someone. They're going to have to either move Laine or move somebody. And who is that somebody? Can't really tell. Probably Gus Nyquist or something. Who I, I would assume that. I wouldn't be opposed to him on the abs. I quite like Gus Nyquist, but what's he making? Five, five, five or point, six? Five point five. That's and not he's terrible. A, he's a UFA after this year. That's not terrible. That's a, that's a, that's a deadline thing that I could definitely entertain. But yeah. there's going to be I mean, something they got to do there. And actually, I think Nyquist is the only one that makes sense. Well, they signed get Branson to a four <laughs> times four. Fucking stupid, uh, dude. One of the worst. the buyout in two years. I think two's generous. That is the worst contract that has been handed out this free agency. But but he's going to be glossed over because they got Goudreau. So. Right. But we were all prepared to dunk on them. I think Nyquist is the only guy that makes sense to trade now that I'm just quickly looking at this. Maybe Voracek, but I don't know. Voracek wasn't terrible last year. He was, he was okay. fine. He's not as, he doesn't score anymore, but I think he had like 50-something assists. He had, yeah, he was he good. 56 was... assists. And you, so. put him, you put him with Johnny Gaudreau, that's not bad. No. Or I, I guess you would put him with Goudreau. But the thing is, with Columbus, they don't have any centers. Jack Roslevic's their top-line center. Maybe they go after Katri, but if they had the money. Who knows? Who knows? But, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I uh, I didn't hate the signing. I didn't see it coming. But that's it for that. Um, Max Pacioretty gets traded to Carolina. You would expect a big return, right? Like a, yeah. like a very, pretty big return back it, for it, a, like, a top weird. If it's even for a cap dump, I'd be like, well, it's going to be something. Yeah, right? get draft pick back or something, right? No, nope. absolutely Future nothing. considerations. Future considerations for Max Pacioretty. So in two off seasons, the Vegas Golden Knights traded their franchise face starting goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury, for nothing. For a guy that they literally let walk a couple days later. And then Max Pacioretty. Their first like big acquisition as a franchise the year after they went to the final, a guy who had scored 32 goals for them before, but suffered through a lot of injuries and stuff. I I remember in the shortened season, he was like one of their big threats and one of the big problems going into the playoffs for the abs. And last year he is injured a ton still has 37 and 39 games. They obviously missed the playoffs because he's not available pretty much the entire time. It's really not even that. It's the asset management as well because they traded Nick Suzuki for Pacioretty. They traded Tatar Suzuki and a second round pick that turned into Samuel Fajimo, who's currently with the Kings. I don't know if he, he played four games, not really a big deal, but they traded Nick Suzuki for him. And for Thomas Tatar, who was in that deal, they traded a first, a second, and a third for him. And then they trade Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin shouldn't be brushed aside because he's, he's something he's played. He played 59 games for them last year for future considerations. And get this, they are still not salary cap compliant. It's crazy, man. It's a cautionary tale of what everything you don't want the abs to do is what Vegas has done. They are going to be so bad in a couple of years and it's going to be and they're a couple of years. How about right now? I mean, my God, they're st- they still are not done. Who else do they move? Do they move in Alec Martinez? That's what I was going to say. They probably have to move Alec Martinez or something because he, he's been in trade rumors even before Pacioretty got traded because like even, they're 1.394 over the cap. They can move 
they can't trade Chandler Stevenson because he like their second line or probably top line player again. It would have to be like Braden McNabb, Martinez. The it's another key thing, player for him. The Eichel thing has gone so unbelievably bad so far ever since they acquired him, ever since he's come back from that neck injury. It could not have been a bigger disaster so far yep. for Vegas. That's nothing against Eichel because I don't think Eichel was terrible. It's just well, he's also been kind of a prick the entire time he's been here. So we he all knew he was a prick. Yeah, he hasn't helped in that regard at all. But since acquiring Eichel, they missed the playoffs. Have had to trade Pacioretty for nothing to not even be salary cap compliant yet. After they already traded the reigning Vesna winner, Mark Andre Fleury for nothing and everyone here except pete DeBoer has their job makes i don't make it make sense make it make sense to me because i don't get it this is the most blatant flagrant violations in terms of cap management i've ever seen imagine trading max pacioretty who has who granted had one year left on his deal for nothing because you are shit at managing the salary cap it's not like eichel was a, a free agent or an RFA that they signed, they knew coming in, this man made $10 million for the foreseeable future. For the next four years, Eichel makes $10 million. And Alex Petrangelo, they signed him to 8.8 for five more seasons after this. They went big game hunting, tried to spend all their money, and now they don't know what to do. I've never seen something like this this bad. Teams have had to sell off guys due to the cap before. This is unbelievable. It's bad, dude. Like you look at it, they they built a fan base because they were competitive. They got one Stanley Cup final appearance, and that was in their first year. They got to the conference final against the Canadians and lost to the Canadians, which is hilarious. Which is an and, un- unbelievable choke job. The yeah. fact that they lost that series, yeah, unbelievably. Um, I just it's. It, I'm just sitting back as an abs fan and just watching all these Vegas fans that probably won't be Vegas fans in like two to three years when this team's hovering around 70 to 80 points every year um, because they have no assets. They have no future. It's just now. And even now Mark Stone's a year older. Petrangelo's a year older. I don't think it's crazy to say that maybe Buffalo makes the playoffs before Vegas does again. Cause like, I want to say Vegas is going to be back because the Pacific division is so bad, but they missed last year when the Pacific division was shit. And yeah, that's because of injuries. And yeah, hopefully Mark Stone has a healthy season and Eichel can turn it around now that he's going to have a full season under his belt here, but their team is not nearly as threatening as it once was and not even close. They have a Eichel and Stone, that's a scary one. They've still got the misfit line, which I fucking hate saying. Marcia So, Carlson, and Riley Smith. After that, like we're looking at Will Carrier, Nolan Patrick, Nicholas Waugh, Keegan Colzar, Brett Howden, and Michael Amadio, and Leonard and Brassois in net. That's not good. That's not Stanley Cup contender. It's not. It's, It's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Cause they beat us one time and they think they're fucking Kings of the world. And then here we are with the Stanley cup and about to have a brazen banners and they're still, yeah, just... I mean, yeah, you, you beat the abs a couple of years ago and you immediately lost in the next round. There's no banner for getting to the third round. As we can tell you, you get banners for winning. Yeah. So I love it. I, it's going to keep getting worse for them because they're just, 
like Leonard, how long he's going to stay there? How long is he going to stay there for? You don't know. Right. Like, it could he, he it. might not even be there at the start of the season. Yeah. They, the Vegas, they just trade guys willy nilly. They sign these guys, these massive contracts. Like I feel bad for Zach white cloud right now is on 2.75 for eight years. There's no guarantee. He's going to be there next season. If they oh, feel like they need to trade him, they for could trade him right now. That That's how they'll probably clear that cap space. They need. Yeah. I mean, that's probably just the amount they need to get compliant. They've traded guys like Nate Schmidt and Pacioretty and Flurry on deals they signed in order to be in Vegas long term and immediately get dealt. It's so funny, dude. It's hilarious. I love it. I love every second of it because I fucking hate Vegas. Yeah. I mean, Um, and because they also signed Riley Smith to a $5 million deal, I believe, for the next three seasons. Yes. And sure i guess guys i don't know what they're really thinking but i don't know good for Vegas, I just, man. I just i'm good like george mcphee's been there from day one kelly mccrimmon took over like after the first season but like uh mcphee's kind of like where sackick is right now where he's the president I, j- I just don't get how ownership is looking at this and being like how are you spending my money like this and immediately giving away guys, making our team worse, and having no success. I don't know how ownership – like, I feel like this season, if it goes bad, there's going to be a reckoning. Oh, there will be. It, it's going to happen. I, I, I don't – like you said, like, maybe because the Pacific's so bad, they sneak in, but I just – the abs are so much better than them in every aspect and every other team in the West. Like, I'm like I'd say the Oilers are better than them right yeah. now. The Kings, I think, are making a case. The, 100%. Flames, yeah, the Flames, they did not done anything. They'll fall back down to earth. If the Canucks keep JT Miller and they don't have that horrible start like they did last year, I think the Canucks are going to be in playoff contention. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked at the beginning of last season. It is Colorado and Vegas, and they did not even make the playoffs. They didn't even make the playoffs. So good for Vegas. It's like that meme where the house is on fire and it's just like that little girl standing out front making that smirk. That, that's Vegas. And then me and you are the little girl just smiling. Mm-hmm. Because it's hilarious. So yeah, good for Vegas. You guys, uh, you're still not cap compliant and you gave away a very good player for free. So um, I'm going to laugh when he scores 40 goals for Carolina this year. Oh my God. He's absolutely going to do it. If he stays healthy, I think that's a move Carolina absolutely won on. Now they finally have a a goal scorer that they have not had in their entire contention window. I think that's a big get for them for nothing. That's amazing. And even if he's banged up, that team's going to still be a playoff team without him. Right. Imagine that, making the playoffs with injuries. Crazy concept. Crazy concept. But that's pretty much everything on free agency and all the other moves that other teams have made. Yeah, Um, I mean, after the first day, it's kind of slowed down a little bit. And we're just kind of waiting for Nas at this point. Yep. So I think that does it pretty much for this episode. Um, oh, I want to say real quick for everyone who ordered a shirt or a sticker, I apologize. I was on vacation. I have not been able to send a lot of things out, but I will start sending those stuffs, those things out this week. Um, the shirts are still not here. Um, but once they get here, we'll keep you all updated. We appreciate your guys' patience with it. Um, but the stickers will be going out sometime this week. So just keep your eyes out for those. Um, another fun thing, we, we may have a potential guest coming on the show sometime later this week. Um, so we'll leave you with a little bit of suspense for that. We could have a, a pretty exciting guest coming on the show. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, dude. You got anything else? 
No, not really. If you guys still want to buy shirts, they're available on our Twitter page. They're still the pinned tweet. You can get them at denvernosebleeds.com. I've got nothing else. Use promo code TELDABS. It is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. Go see a baseball game, go to a concert, things like that. Or hold on to it until October when hockey starts back up again. I'm not your mom. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But other than that, that's really just about it for this one, Christian, unless you've got any last minute wisdom to Parting drop words of wisdom um i my vacation was fantastic uh i did get sunburned which sucked i talked a big game on last week's episode about how i didn't get sunburned but i did get a burn uh, i went to a wedding last night um battling a hangover like no other um getting older and i'm sure people listen to the show who are older than me are like you're still a child but hangovers after 25 are some of the worst experiences of your life um, so I just battled through a podcast, uh, severely injured. So I just want that on record. Um, but that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, speaking of child, I bought a Wii again. Oh, hell yeah, dude. You told me about that. I got yeah, my little I switch. I felt like a child on the plane because I brought my switch with me and I was just playing Lego star Wars on it. So <laughs> oh, yeah, well, at least you have the modern version of yeah. Nintendo. I, I paid a couple bucks for a Wii just so I could replay some of my childhood else. Today, I, I read down the, the old Star Wars Battlefront. Like, oh, that's a great one. Yeah, for like five great bucks. One. Great stuff. There you go. It's all on sale on Xbox right now for a couple bucks, which is a great investment. So I'm, I'm, re- I'm reliving my glory days, speaking of children. But I think we've gone on a little long on this episode. Yeah, we can, so we can save all that for another time. Yeah. But, when, when, we're, when there's nothing else in the season to talk about, we can give reviews of old Wii games. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can do that. I've got like five of them here. Yeah, so, there go. I think that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Once again, use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, and you can follow the show at tell it abs it is but once again thank you all so very much for tuning in and uh continuing to tune in even after the playoffs there still hasn't been a dip which is weird but again i appreciate you all for sticking around and hope to see you guys in the off season and next season and hopefully we'll keep waiting on some cadre news but when it happens we'll be back it doesn't happen before wednesday we will be back recording on wednesday releasing very early thursday morning But until then, we'll see you guys then, and let's go Avs.